to the No Dunks on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, August 14th, and this is our official 2020 Eastern Conference Playoffs Preview Podcast. I'm Jay Skeets, and joining us here on the horn, we got Tass Mellis. <sighs> Feels good, guys. It's that time of year, which is wild to think, but it's playoff time. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. Hey, yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, JD. Hello. There he is. And here we are before we get into each series. A little housekeeping for you all. First, thanks to everybody who joined us live on YouTube and or downloaded our bubble wrap podcast over the last couple of weeks. Those late night hours were crazy at times, but we had a lot of fun. So thank you so much. Second, keep your emails and comments coming for our weekly mailbag-only beach stepping podcast. We're working on figuring out when that next one's going to drop. But, you know, keep your emails coming. No dunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at no dunks Inc. The bubble wrap is done. The late night shows, for the most part, are done. We're going to go back to a more of a normal podcasting schedule. So we'll make sure to keep the beach stepping in there. So get those cues and comments in. And finally, if you haven't already, go grab yourself a brand new No Dunks t-shirt at nodunks.com, our new magical shirt has all the proceeds going to the Lebanese Red Cross. So it is a win-win, and a lot of people uh, have already purchased a shirt. So thank you so much. Okay, and one more thing, breaking news here on a Friday morning, guys. Trey Kirby's got the Bulls hat on. He's got his Bulls shirt on. So let's get to that news. The Bulls fire head coach. Jim Boylan, see you later, Galaxy Brain. <laughs> Punching out for the final time, taking his hard hat off and walking out slowly. What do you think, Trey? He's gone. The Bulls didn't make the bubble. They didn't make the playoffs. But this still feels like championship number seven waking up this morning. You know, we were up last night recording. Then I spent a little time out in the parking lot hunting for night crawlers. So I wake up this morning, see all these notifications, and I think I'm dreaming. There's no way the Bulls actually fired Jim Boylan. There's no way the Bulls are the biggest story in the league right now heading into the Mega Bowl and the playoffs. But that's exactly what happened. And... It couldn't have come sooner. It could have come sooner. That's the main thing. It actually could have because Bulls fans, we were getting nervous. You know, we gave the Bulls a lot of credit for going outside of the organization to get Karnishavis. And you see the way the Nuggets are developing. They're pulling guys named PJ Dozier out in the in the bubble. And they're playing while you're thinking, okay, at least this guy knows how to build a team. But then if you're a Bulls fan, you're also thinking... They hired a guy that nobody's really ever heard of, who's surely coming cheap, who wasn't number two. They didn't go for the established name. Sam Presti was linked to the team immediately, and we ended up with a guy who's not going to fire Jim Boylan. It was looking bad as a cynical Bulls fan, but then uh, to wake up this morning, just felt like I was on cloud seven, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Cloud seven, I like that. Yeah, Boylan compiled an overall record of 39 and 84 with the Bulls. That's a... You know, 32% win percentage. The only Bulls coach with a worse record? Trey, do you know who? Heat Myers? No. Tim Floyd? Tim Floyd. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Timmy Floyd with a worse record. Uh, so, yeah, there's a bunch of names being thrown around. Uh, Woj uh, tweeted for sure that they're considering Nuggets assistant Wes Unseld Jr., former Nets coach Kenny Atkinson, Raps assistant coach Adrian Griffin, who just picked up uh, his first you know, coaching win there with the Raps in the bubble, and Bucks assistant Darvin Ham. Um, any of those names, Lee, jump out to you that you're intrigued by? 
Uh, I mean, Kenny Atkinson is the only one we really know who's got a bit of a track record there. So uh, I think he would be um, a good choice for the Bulls. But uh, I, I hope Karnishevis does uh, search far and wide and try to get the right guy because ultimately it comes down to talent. And the Bulls roster isn't all that talented right now. So uh, whoever comes in has got a very, very big job to do. But the Bulls just need to get some better players in there as well. And uh, until that happens, it, it's really hard to see the Bulls making a huge improvement next season because uh, they they just they just don't have the talent right now on that roster. Tass, anything to add to this boiling news? You gonna do some uh, push-ups for us today, or in his honor, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, not in his honor though. Oh. Uh, I'll throw some in there later on in, in the workout after we're all done here. Uh, hilarious! We're doing an Eastern Conference playoff preview, but first, Bulls—they sneak in there. Uh, it's. Uh, my my hope is that they get Darvin Ham, uh, not because I'm not uh, I'm unsure whether or not he's going to do a great job, but George Carl, you know, former Sonics coach, former Bucks coach, is cheering on Darvin Ham on Twitter to get this job, and so uh, as a former player of his, I think he he's pumped for him. I just want George Carl to come back on the show and talk with Lee about Darvin Ham. Being the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, that's why that's why I'm cheering up this on. He was on for a pop and packs earlier, and I'm just happy that the Bulls are starting anew because Jim Boylan did not have a great relationship with a lot of his players. You get Karnishevis, you get Mark Eversley. It's time to start new. You don't want a bad taste in your mouth going into this new season. So yes, it could have come earlier, but at least it's come here way before. 2020 2021 that's that's a very good sign i think for the chicago bulls fans out there yeah and lee they got some talent man they do we're talking about them in the playoff preview next year lock it in lee (laughs) (laughs) who's their best player zach levine yes yeah yeah but then you've got some potential young talent of course in lowry market and still wendell carter jr kobe white i mean there there are pieces that if you maybe have a coach um that can get them to play hard and uh, have a bit of a bit of a structure to them. Uh, I could see them uh, once again maybe dabbling with the eight seed. Though I said that at the beginning of this season, so who knows? Come on, Lee. Zach Levine, twenty-five points a game, forty-five percent shooting, thirty-eight from three. If he's doing that for any other team but the Bulls, you're calling him Bradley Beal, saying he should be an All Star. <laughs> I don't think I'd put him quite in that bracket yet. But uh, look, I think Wendell Carter uh, is a talented player. He's got to stay on the floor. And I've said I also like Lowry Markkinen. Um, So I really hope whoever does come in can get a little bit more out of uh, Markkinen because I think uh, I just don't think Boylan was using him the right way. Um, And he's got to stay healthy as well. So there are one or two pieces there. But uh, I'm not seeing the Bulls surge up the seedings, uh, up the the standings next season uh, all that quickly. But... You know, I, I just I'm just excited that they actually fired Boylan because you know, no disrespect to Jim Boylan, no one likes to get fired. It, it it's uh it sucks, but Carnishevus when he came in, he needed to have the autonomy to do those things, and it felt like Jim Paxson, uh, John Paxson, basically said, "We're not firing him. We're keeping him for a year because he told Jim Boylan he's going to stay for another year." So right. I think that's significant that Carnishevus was able to. I mean, who knows actually whose decision it was in the end? Really, we'll, we'll never really find out those details, but. I think it's very important that uh, Karnishevis is able to get his guy in there from the start because if you're if, if you're coming in as a general manager but you're still basically got John Paxson being the uh, the one who who makes those decisions, yeah. then it undermines any authority that Karnishevis has. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. So before we move on here, Trey, is there a coach you would like to see the Bulls, you know, make the new uh, new head coach? The other Jim Boylan, I think, would be a good choice. Jim Boylan <laughs> with an A, or I don't even remember. Was he with A or an E? He was a Bulls coach once upon a time, but I don't know. I would like somebody that people have heard of. Maybe it's Kenny Atkinson, somebody who got the Nets program kind of back on the map, at least made them an attractive candidate for... Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, though it obviously didn't play out uh, the way that the Nets were (laughs) expecting it during their first year. But the guy seems to be a player development genius, and he looks like he can get a disparate uh, collection of pieces to play together pretty well. So I'd be happy with Kenny Atkinson, somebody that people know of and somebody that people seem to like around the league. All right. That's enough Bulls talk here for our Eastern Conference uh, playoff preview. Let's get into it. Let's start breaking down. All four of these first-round matchups, guys, we'll throw our predictions for the series at the end of them. We'll just go in order, you know, with the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, though they didn't play that well in the bubble, as we saw. Giannis got upset, was headbutting, guys, but it's the number one-seeded Bucks versus the eighth-seeded Orlando Magic. Game one tips on Tuesday, okay, August 18th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Bucks took the season series 4-0, it was a sweep. Maybe we'll have another one of those. No Jonathan Isaac for the Magic. That's a key injury for them, torn ACL. So, keys to the series here, Tass. Uh, where do you want to get us started with the Bucks and Magic? Well, if the Bucks are going to give up a game or two or three, uh, probably not, uh, the Magic are going to have to just bomb away from the outside and hit three-point shots because the Bucks allow the most threes in the league. So the Magic just have to get hot from the outside if they're going to upset in any game in this series but that's not what the magic do and that's why they got swept this series or this uh during the season series they can't really hit from the outside 22nd in the league uh only hit 11 threes per game and uh that's why uh, evan fournier was really hot during their uh their four games that they played he was their best guy because he's one of their best three-point shooters you have open threes some of these guys are going to be able to hit him. He was uh, 50% from the three-point line. So Evan Fournier is a key. I know that's something you probably don't hear going into a playoff preview, but he's going to have to be monstrous. He really is, along with Terrence Ross, who hopefully he's healthy. Those are the guys who hit shots for them. Uh, you know, there's uh, a guy coming off the bench, James Ennis, said to uh, the Athletics' Josh Robbins, if we're hitting our threes, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary for Milwaukee <laughs> now uh yeah it, okay. I made it a little more dramatic than Josh <laughs> Robbins said it or I'm sorry than uh, James Ennis said it but he also said as underdogs I feel like it's an NCAA tournament and anything can happen now we all sort of felt that in the bubble in the regular season does that translate to the postseason is it, are, is everybody still going to feel like this is an AAU tournament or or, or March Madness uh, maybe because uh, that's what maybe. they're going to need they're going to need just some some wild shooting uh, just because they're they're getting the the Bucks at a good time. Obviously, the Bucks are not playing well, but mm-hmm. their D is still going to be there. They're still going to take away the lane, and uh, the Magic aren't all that healthy right now. And that's yeah, you mentioned Jonathan Isaac, but Aaron Gordon is coming back from a hamstring injury, and he's not a three point shooter. And, and again, I don't think they're going to score in the lane all that much. But he's got to get in the lane to set up those three point right. shots. So so it's just a bad a bad sequence of events, even though. Yeah, the Bucks aren't playing all that well. There's just a bunch of dudes with Aaron Gordon, and even Fournier was uh, had had an illness. And yeah, uh, Terrence Ross come back from an injury. Michael Carter Williams coming back from an injury. 
So I don't think this bodes very well, but yeah, they're gonna have to hit from the outside. So you got yeah, you gotta squint and see like Terrence Ross if he's playing, hitting five threes, Fournier hitting four, uh, DJ Augustin, DJ Augustine pouring in three or four like he did in Game One versus the Raptors last year where he was on fire. Yeah, that's yeah, the Vooch uh, man. The Vooch man has to, the Vucevic has to step outside and hit shots because he's not gonna score inside against Brooke and, and mm. uh, Giannis, and and he's their best scorer, and uh, that's. He's not a three-point shooter. And, and last year, he's got to make up for what he did against the Raps, which was very bad against Marcus Gasol. He, he was nearly invisible after having an all-star season. So maybe he wants to... Uh, well, he definitely wants to have a good series, but maybe he just steps outside and hits some shots. It's not Vooch's game. Uh, but hey, like James Ennis said, anything can happen. You never know. Can anything happen, Lee? Can anything happen in this series? The thing about Orlando is... They got killed in the regular season. Tass already mentioned that there. And it's really hard for me to see what they've got that can take down the Bucks, even in one game. They're middle-of-the-road offense, middle-of-the-road defense. They don't have that one player who can go out and get you like 45 points and just sort of carry the team by himself. I know Terrence Ross had 50 10 years ago, but that doesn't really count. And even Vucevic last year, he's their sort of star franchise player. They signed him to the big contract in the offseason last season, but... We saw what happened in the playoffs last season against the Raptors. He got killed by Marc Gasol. So, you know, they, they just need the Bucks to basically beat themselves. They need the Bucks to be terrible. And everything needs to go perfectly right for Orlando for them to even get close, I think, in a game. Um, I, just, I, I just can't see how they're going to be able to take down a Bucks team that hasn't been playing all that well right now. But I think Giannis is going to be back, obviously, now. They're Bledsoe's back. Everyone's healthy. They haven't got any injuries so maybe the first game or two, Orlando can sort of keep it within striking distance. But I think um, I, I think ultimately the Bucks are just going to destroy them because defensively they're too good, offensively they're too good. They've got too many weapons, and uh, I can't see Orlando being able to sort of break them down. And so, yeah. you know, okay. I mean, you know, like you look at some other teams, for example, you know, the Grizzlies or the Blazers, whoever gets in, they've got that one player who you think maybe this guy can just find it in himself. Um, to drag his team to a victory. But with the with the Magic, they've just got so many complementary role players. It's very, very tough to see how they're going to uh, honestly pull one game off Milwaukee. Yeah, I went through their uh, season series, as we said, uh, the Bucks sweeping it. Orlando won a combined five quarters in those four games. <laughs> uh, they had one game where they won two quarters. The other ones, it was always just one quarter. And they That's were not, not big wins in That's the quarters. No, they were not dominant wins. Um and you look back even to the Bucks playing the Pistons in last year's first round. Remember that beatdown? Remember that murder? That was a murder. They won those games by 35 points, 21 points, 16 points, eh, close game, and 23 points. That was the Bucks versus the Pistons last year. You wonder if something will be the uh, same case here versus the Magic. But Trey, what about, what's the key to the series? I mean, I think we're all picking the Bucks, but what's something you're zeroing in on maybe, especially even for Milwaukee moving forward? Yeah, we're not saving anything. This is going to be a sweep, and we know Giannis is going to go out there and dominate. So to me, the question is, what did Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe look like now that the playoffs are starting? Like you're saying, Middleton was killer against Detroit last year. He's pretty good against Boston, and then Toronto really bottled him up. He had a great season, you know, 61 games. He was at 49.9, 40, and 90 through the season. 62 games, 49.7, 40, and 90 through the season. I want to see him take over because he should have a tasty matchup. Like you're saying, Tassie, uh, this is going to be a big series for Evan Fournier. Is he going to have to try and stick Chris Middleton? That's going to be tough. Maybe it's James Ennis, Wes Awundu, 
Aaron Gordon probably gets a chance. Nonetheless, Middleton should feast. Bledsoe, of course, is an extreme playoff case. You don't know what you're going to get. He has been returning from a COVID diagnosis. He hasn't really done much so far in the bubble. Very slow uh, start for him. You just want to see him rounding into form, looking healthy, looking ready to go in the playoffs because that has been a question for the Bucs. It feels like at all-star time, we talk about Eric Bledsoe being a possible all-star and at playoff time, we talk about him maybe showing up uh, for Milwaukee. So I think you just want to see a couple of huge games from both of these guys uh, in these four, maybe five games that we're going to see against Orlando, just so you can have a little confidence going into round two. Yeah, well, let's get into our predictions. Um, I'll get us started. I do have Bucks and four. I think it's a sweep uh, for a lot of the reasons you guys have laid out here. Also, you know, sometimes in the postseason, you can magically win a home game thanks to your crowd, right? Like the energy of your crowd, the motivation behind your crowd. Maybe it's maybe it is close, like through three quarters, and you and Evan Fournier pulls one out for you or something like that. I just don't see that being the case, even though they have weird. Home court advantage, home state advantage, home city advantage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are. I guess, you know, they, are. I guess they are. Yeah, advantage. sure, sure. Um, but Giannis, I think, is also going to be extra motivated after this little headbutt and feeling maybe bad about it. Um, so this could be bad news for um, the Magic as well. It would have helped, of course, if Isaac was guarding him. You can try and slow him down a little bit because he's such a great defensive player, but he's not in it. In three games versus Orlando, Giannis averaged 26, 16, and 8. Uh, turn the ball over a lot, so maybe that's good. But Bucks and four for me. Tass, where are you going? Yeah, I'll stick just on that that Giannis tip there. Aaron Gordon was pretty good guarding Giannis uh, in those three games that he played. He held him to 38% shooting. But Aaron Gordon, I, I'm worried about him being healthy. That that hammy that we talked about when he, uh, he got into it, a, a little tussle with Kyle Lowry earlier in the in the bubble. Uh, I, I I don't see any positives here for the Magic. I, I'm reaching. I'm looking for them because this would be the time to knock off the Bucks. They just don't look good. And even mm. though we talked about the yeah the destroying of the the Pistons there last year, you're right, Skeets. Uh, uh, an underdog can maybe steal a, a home win, but also I, I think the blowouts just won't be as prevalent here in the bubble. And that's why the Bucks probably haven't looked as good. They don't have that home court advantage. They don't have. They're not playing off their crowd. Uh, and but but Orlando, there's just too big a gap here. Uh, they've the last eight games they've played, Milwaukee's won seven, and the only one they lost was when Giannis wasn't playing. Uh, and, and the Bucks, I think this is gonna, they're going to feel good just to have a series to get back to being themselves because they have not been right. Uh, and and I think the Magic is the perfect remedy for them. So yeah, I go sweep as well. Okay, Trey, you already said uh, Bucks in four. Yeah, yeah, I get the brooms. Bucks and four for me. I suppose there could be uh, a Terrence Ross game or a DJ Augustin game, something where a uh, random magic hits eight or nine threes. And like Tass was saying, you know, the three-point shooting is the way that Orlando even picks up any kind of a win. You're going to get open shots against the Bucks. Can you hit 55% of them? Let's see. I'm not counting on it. I think the Bucks will be fired up come playoff time. Sweep a leap. Yeah, I feel like 99.9% of the picks we're going to see for this series will be Bucks and four, or maybe Bucks and five, like you're saying, because you're uh, giving the magic uh, a magical game where they catch fire. But what do you think, Lee? Are you also Bucks and four, or do you give them one? It's a four man sweep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no I, I, I just think so many things have to go right for the magic to even get a game here. So uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Bucks, uh, and I think the Giannis factor is important here that. He hasn't been his best down there in the bubble. He started off okay with the suspension. Now he's like, it's playoff time. 
he's got to lock in and uh, and get himself on track. So, yeah, Bucks in four. All right, let's keep it going here. Number two seeded Toronto Raptors versus the number seven seed Brooklyn Nets. Game one tips Monday, August seventeenth at four p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Hey, both of these series, by the way. Not on NBA TV. Mm. <laughs> They're on the marquee channels because I think every series is on either TNT or ESPN. Just <laughs> the way they're spaced out. There's no NBA TV series this year. Probably would have been one of these. I think that's fair to say. Um, season series went to the Raptors 3-1. Key injuries. I mean, look, no bubble team has been hit as hard by injuries and COVID-19 as the Nets. No Duran. No Kyrie. No Spencer Dinwiddie. No Torian Prince. No Wilson Chandler. No DeAndre Jordan. I mean, they, they're not even down there. Um, but here are the scrappy Nets uh, playing hard for Jacques Vaughn. Keys to this series, Tass. Uh, we, we sort of almost got into it a little bit on last night's bubble wrap. The idea of like, ooh, the Nets nearly knocked off the Blazers. Nearly prevented them from going to the play-in game. They look like a scrappy bunch. What do you got your eye on here? Well, it's going to be a... I feel like a bit of a sexy series. Not super sexy, but the Nets have uh, kind of upped their profile a little bit. And I got to disagree with you that this would be an NBA TV series. Uh, George Carl, going back to his tweets, he said about the Denver-Utah series, because he's a former Denver-Utah guy, where's the primetime love, NBA? Because they've been thrown into the early slots. I think this series is sexier than Denver-Utah, which is a little crazy. But that's not really saying much for the sexiness level of this, this series. This would still I guess. be an NBA TV series. <laughs> Over the Denver's Denver Utah series, you think? Yes. Yeah, in I the states, that, yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, fair. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, but I think I, just because they played Brooklyn so well, uh, I, I do think there's a little bit more intrigue for this series. But it's just it's a bad matchup for the Nets. I think they would be better off against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that would be an, uh, just because the Bucks aren't playing all that well. Mm. The Raptors are just going to outgrit this gritty Nets team. Uh, the 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 way they scrapped and fought against the Blazers uh, on Thursday night is just not going to happen against a Raptors team that's so friggin' good defensively. And Karis LeVert um, is the last guy to score 30 points against the Toronto Raptors team. All right, yeah, that's the, that's the last guy who's who scored 30 a few months ago, back in February. And uh, he's going to have to go off. But this this Raptors defense is going to find a way, just like they did last year, to, to shut a guy like that down in, in the playoffs if you just have one guy. And I don't think they're going to let uh, Timothy Luau Cabarro go off or or one of those peripheral guys to go off because – they are that type of team. They are that type of team that has a bunch of TLCs and a bunch of Tyler Johnsons, and they know how to stop those guys. And they came into the bubble rocking, you know, at six and one before they play this uh, Friday game that's meaningless here. Uh, they, they they're just so solid. They've won eighteen of their last twenty against Brooklyn, and I just see it continuing because it it doesn't. I just don't, I don't look up and down the rosters. Is there an advantage? You could say Carol Savert, but when you have like four supreme no. defenders uh, to go after him and the way they play team defense, I, I just don't, I don't see all these second and third tier guys being able to, to find daylight against this team. And the other, the, the, the factor is the, the Raptors uh, can lose games when they don't score. Um, but against this Nets team, um, they're going to limit them, and they're going to be able to score, I think, on the, on the other end, just like the Blazers did. So 
uh, yeah, bad matchup for the for the Nets, I think. Well, here's the real question. Trey, are the Raptors going to drop game one? Will the streak, <laughs> will the streak continue? Uh, it's certainly possible. You know, Tass mentions the Bucks being a good matchup for the Nets, but I kind of think the Raptors could be too. The Raptors give up a lot of three-pointers, and the Nets take a lot of three-pointers. Yeah. All you need is a super hot shooting night to to reawaken those game one demons for the Raptors. But I don't know, 18 of 20 wins over Brooklyn. You know, this is kind of the first rival of the Masai Ujiri era uh, yep. in Toronto. So I, I think they'll take care of business. But it is interesting to see if the Nets start off shooting hot and they stay hot, like we saw against the Blazers, you know, that can really put a team on on their heels. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Brooklyn actually catches fire. Offensively for the Raptors, with all those threes that the Nets take, there will be opportunities to run. Long rebounds uh, are perfect transition opportunities, and the Raptors are the best transition team in the league. But if it slows down, if the Nets are able to actually get the game into a half-court set, we got to see Siakam be a go-to guy a little bit. He should have an advantage against Brooklyn. So let's see some of those shake and bakes, some of those weird spin moves, floaters, you know. The guy has had 30-point games in the finals. He can do it in round one against the Nets. You just want to see it. Mm -hmm. Lee, uh, what do you got your eye on with this series? The Raptors will win this series, but they have to just survive it as well in terms of their health because I think that's key for Toronto this season. Going back to before the suspension, you know, they had a lot of guys in and out. Now, coming down here, everyone was healthy again. A lot of guys have picked up a little bump or a bruise along the way. They're okay. I mean, most guys are going to be resting today. But for the Raptors, it's just about surviving and getting through to those next rounds because they have their hopes on getting to, you know, no less than the conference finals. And if they're going to do that, they need to remain at full strength. I think that is so key. I mean, every team needs to be at full strength to be their best, but I think it's especially true for the Raptors. And so, um, you know, this series is going to be physical, I think. And, and, you know, you see with Brooklyn, again, last night was a great example of that, that they're going to fight and they're going to scrap and they're going to put a body on guys as well. And, you know, a guy like Luawu Cabarro, he's either been really good in the bubble or he's been really bad. And if he's the sort of guy who can go out there and score some points and then give you something defensively, it's just it's just an obstacle that the Raptors need to get over and have to get over. But they probably want to do it as quickly as possible. But I don't think it's going to be a... I don't think it's going to be a sweep series. I think it's going to be one of those ones that just sort of the Raptors have to grind their way through it mm-hmm. and, uh, and and get get past this team because, um, you know, that's the thing. Brooklyn has been playing well down in the bubble, kind of team that no one's really been talking about, but they've actually been playing well. And last night they could, you know, could have easily won that game. So they're a good team. They're disciplined. They're going to be, they're going to give everything they have to the Raptors and it's just not going to be a pushover for them. But, uh, you know, in the end, the Raptors have too much depth and too much talent. It's just you want to make sure that everyone gets through to that second round, um, you know, in, in uh, with 100% health, and they don't have anyone picking up any knocks. Fred's picked up a knock. Kyle Lowry has. I think Siakam had something. Ananobi's got a bit of a knee. I mean, none of these are major injuries, but if they're dealing with them throughout the playoffs, it can affect uh, it can affect the, the the Raptors' outcome. Yeah, the Nets are in for a rude awakening. I will say that having going from playing the Portland Trailblazers uh, last night to then having to play the Raptors. Uh, in game one the defense is going to be a tiny bit different uh, with what you're allowed to do against Portland versus what you're allowed to do against Toronto when they're locked in and you would expect they would be uh, trying to get first off not lose a game one and in the first round and get some revenge on the Brooklyn Nets who they've lost to twice you know in their franchise history in the first round uh, losing to the to the Paul Pierce Nets and losing way back in the day to uh, to the uh, New Jersey Nets and stuff like that 
it's that's going to be a bit of a, like a shock to the system maybe for the Nets, but I like them too. And my key is, um, you know, we've been slipping his name in here. It's really can Karis Levert carry them to one win? I think I think it, there's potential there. I had this written down and uh, had planned to say this on the podcast before Karis Levert had a really big outing against um, the Portland Trailblazers. I had watched a lot of these Nets games in, in the seeding bubble games here. He's been damn good. He really has. When the ball is in his hands, that guy can create things. Fascinated to see if it will work when Katie and Kyrie's there and he's off ball. I'm skeptical. But, man, when he when you can just say, go to work, man, he's a tough stop. Uh, so, can he, you, you know, you said it, Tass, he scored 37, I think it was, to, against the Raptors in, in, uh, in a loss. But then he also had like a 27-4 and four game, had a bunch of steals in the Nets' lone win. He's played okay. He's obviously on fire down there. He could drag them to a victory if, you know, you throw in some three-point shooting around them. Like Trey said, they give up a lot. The Raps do. That's sort of their defensive game plan. I see a game being won here by the Nets. I, I really do. And that's not just because, oh, classic Raptors, they give you one. They're good. They're, they're a decent team. And I don't know how many people know that. I don't know how many people are watching the Nets here in some of these seeding games. So let's get to the predictions. Um, Task, get us started. You've been... You know, on the record saying the Raptors were going to sweep this thing for a long time now, especially if they had the Nets, has your opinion changed? It should have changed. If I was being unbiased and objective, I should say this Brooklyn Nets team with Karis LeVert should take a game. But I'm not objective. I'm subjective. I'm stubborn. I'm taking the Raptors in a sweep, even though Karis LeVert can definitely uh, win a game. And he hasn't had much of a playoff career, but some guys, I think, just have it in the playoffs. And last year, five games in the playoffs, uh, he had a 23-point game, a 26-point game, and a 25-point game among those five games. But the other side is ready for a, a, a star, a star wing player. I, I think, you know, you throw Pascal, you throw OG Ananobi. There's, there's a lot of guys that can guard him. And I think that just the mentality of that team, as you said, Skeets, it's, it's just too good. It's it's too good. If they want to focus and lock down one guy, if they need to focus and lock down Karis LeVert, I, I think they can. Again, a fourth quarter, for instance. And then other guys like Garrett Temple and, and TLC and Jared Allen and Joe Harris are going to have to step up. Uh, I don't think it bodes well. Give me, a, give me a stubborn Raptors fan here just because I don't want to go back on my tweet from several months ago. Raps in four. All right. Trey, what do you got? I think we're going to get a Karis Levert game as well. So I'll go Raps in five. I saw this in the doc, Skeets. You had it written as Carry, C-A-R-R-Y. And, you know, it turns out you're saying that you think that Karis Levert could carry them to a yes. victory. Certainly. But when I first saw it, I was like, this must be the French pronunciation of his name, Carrie Lavert. <laughs> ah. So if he has a great game up in Canada, I don't know. <laughs> I guess they're not going to be playing in Canada, but maybe a fake, a fake Raptors home game. We can call it the Carrie Lavert game. Okay, so you've got Raps in five. Uh, what, right. about you, what about you, Lee? I've got the uh, gentleman sweep too. I think the Raptors probably get, come out of the blocks pretty quickly with the first three, but then uh, yeah, that fourth game, maybe Levert just has one uh, and, and gives one back to the uh, net. But I think, again, it's going to be a, a closer series. Though. I, I think it's going to be a tougher series for the Raptors, even though they prevail in the end. But uh, I think I, was, I saw enough. Maybe it was just last night's game as well. Levert 
convince me that uh, he's going to get one for his team there. Because, again, Luau Cabarro is another guy. When they win, he hits a lot of threes. Yeah. So, you know. That, I mean, Joe Harris feels like the type of guy, too, that would exactly. hit seven threes versus yeah. the Raptors. Yeah. And that's the thing. You, you only need one game from those guys to hit, you know, five or six each. And then uh, it, it just the, the Raptors are just in a, in a sort of battle there. So, uh, yeah, Raptors in, Raptors in five. Okay, I'm also going Raptors in five, uh, exactly. I think there will be a Karis LeVert game, if you want to call it that, just like the DJ game from game one last year when he went for 25 and 9 to 13 and hit four threes and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know when it will happen. I am interested to see how these series that we're thinking are going to be sort of blowout series or, you know, there's a dominant team. You know, you said a gentleman's sweep there, Lee, so you're saying Raps take the first three, maybe they're close games, but then the, the Nets... Uh, pull out game four. See, I'm I'm skeptical about this in this bubble setting. I think if teams get down 3-0, they're going to be like, all right, we're out of here. Let's just go home and see our families. And they maybe, maybe do wave the white flag. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It usually is the toughest thing in sports to put a team away, you know, to like eventually finally win that fourth game. But uh, I don't know. This bubble setting has me uh, thinking we might have a lot of sweeps. Like, I was going to ask you, Tass. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but... A hell of a prediction would be to say every Eastern Conference series will be a 4-0 sweep. Whoa. Uh, yeah. It's not that far-fetched, is it? Uh, you know, no. Again, we're, we'll, we'll get to the other two series. You can but. still have a close sweep, you know, a close yeah. series that's a sweep. Uh, wow, interesting. Makes me want yeah. to go back on this project. Prediction. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I, I thought about it. I was like, well, I hit my one where I said one team would go undefeated. Let's go with all sweeps in the Eastern Conference. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that either because I got Raptors in five. And uh, I think you're right, Lee. I think there's actually going to be a lot of decently close games going into the third, to the fourth quarter, excuse me. And the Raptors will do that classic thing where they like really, really zone in defensively. Maybe it is some zone, who knows? And just play like three or four really solid minutes, and that will be enough to pull out a couple of these victories. I, I sort of see that being a case. So we will see. You know, you you, you expect it to be gritty there, tasks these two teams, uh, the way they play, the style, though. It, you know, you still think it, that could be sexy basketball. Should we just get gritty from the from the Flyers <laughs> to like be running along the baseline or maybe sitting on that rail cam? That'd be a fun little uh, visual. Though I don't know if the uh, Flyers are in the playoffs, hockey playoffs. I don't know if someone <laughs> wants to check me on that. Yeah, which bubble are they in? How long of yeah. a quarantine do you got to do with Gritty when he's made entirely of hair? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well, we got two more series, of course, still to break down and predict. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Guys, I always procrastinate when it comes to self-grooming. I don't find it fun. But taking care of things pays off. Let me give you an example. Getting ready for bed a couple weeks ago. Just a standard night. Gonna curl up. Might do a mini crossword and close my eyes. I brush, floss, and decide, you know what? I trimmed up my undercarriage a little earlier, so I'm gonna throw on some of that Manscaped Crop Preserver. Makes it feel and smell fantastic. That anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer feel nice up against those boxers. As I put it on, Danielle walks by and says, You think you're getting lucky tonight? <laughs> we laughed. <laughs> and I know what you're wondering. Did I kill that crossword? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> did I get lucky? No. <laughs> I did not. But we talked about it. Planted the seed. <laughs> For another time, another day. Manscaped doesn't just help you level up your full body grooming game. It does a lot more than that, as you just heard. And right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20. 
Is that it, Lee? Is it the athletic one? It depends which part of it you're reading. Okay. <laughs> it is for the first two parts, but we're not doing the last part. Yeah. Yeah. The Athletic 20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value. I saw it in a photo from Trey Kirby today. Looking nice. What were you carrying in that Shed Travel Bag, Trey? I don't know if I should say this, Tess, but it was Hawthorne grooming products. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, this is like a, the collab of the year here. <laughs> Put an X con- on it. Cross-contamination. I appreciate your honesty, Trey. We're crossing over our ads. Why? Wow. I, th- I thought he was going to say, like, fishing lures yeah, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely some worms in there. Uh, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Two gifts coming at you. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. Okay. 3-6 matchup, Celtics versus the 76ers. Game one, tips Monday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. 76ers took the series. Yeah, the underdogs in this, but they took the season series versus the Celtics, took three of the four games. The key injury in this one, of course, is Ben Simmons undergoing surgery to remove a loose body from his left knee. So uh, you wouldn't expect we're going to see him in this series. Who knows moving forward if the 76ers can advance. But keys to the series. Tass, what do you got, man? Well, I'm, I'm searching for some intrigue in the, these series. Where's the storyline? And Al Horford played for the Boston Celtics, oh, it was merely last year. And now he's playing against his old team. Uh, Al Horford does not look like himself this season, but when he was asked about playing the Celtics in the playoffs, he smiled and said, I'm okay it worked out that way. Can Al Horford be sparked? Can this be the flame that's lit inside this 34-year-old body that's played some very good basketball in the playoffs? Because uh, they need him to, to be excellent. Uh, and they need ball handlers with no uh, Ben Simmons. And I know you don't think of Al Horford as a, a ball handler, but uh, guys playing off him, his passing two-man game, running around him, like yeah, a classic sort of J.J. Redick, Joel Embiid. I think Al Horford, if he goes to the second unit, which I, I would like to see uh, instead of him coming out with the starters and just being cold and just watching these other guys play around Embiid, Use Al like he has been classically used in the past as a as a guy who's a sort of a centerpiece. Throw it into the post. You know, run your splits off him, like he was in Atlanta. He's not going to score a ton, but he's going. I think he's going to make everybody better on the bench, like a Burks or or these Glenn Robinson types. Uh, and so uh, I would like to see him get going because they're desperately going to need him. I think it's better done on the bench. And uh, you got to elevate the players around him because after MB, there's a drop-off in, in talent. And I know the defense would be bad with Horford probably going to the bench because he's still good on that side. But I think you get the most out of him in the fourth quarter. Him and Embiid both warm. You finish uh, with those two, the more, more talented guys, because, um, yeah, they're just it, – it's crazy. Uh, you've got Embiid on this team, uh, and you've got uh, guys who get paid a lot – but without Ben Simmons, the Celtics have more talent. And so I think you just got to find a way to get the most out of Big Al. And maybe the playoffs just light his eyes up a little bit. Light, light those pretty eyes up. Just, there it is. Just, <laughs> just a touch. Just a touch. We need him. He's 34 years old. He signed this big deal. Did he just come here just to, to chill out and be a be a mediocre player? No. Let's get, let's get the good Al out there. Okay. Trey, what do you got your eye on? 
I mean, it's Embiid for me. He is the best player in this series. He's dominant on both ends of the court whenever he wants you to be. But like Tass is saying, the fall off is massive after that. Maybe the next five players go to the Celtics if you're ranking the players uh, for how good they are. So mm-hmm. the question is, how far can you ride Embiid? Is he gonna is he gonna be able to bring it every single night? We know he had a dinged up ankle. He's gonna be the focus of the entire game plan from a Celtics team that is gonna try everything to get the ball out of his hands. And his Cantor, for some reason, actually is pretty good in the playoffs, usually. Maybe Robert Williams will get a little bit of time. I'm sure Daniel Tice will fall out of some games, but they've got some options yeah. there. Embiid has to be ready to go every single night. He has to be ready to get the ball in the post 30 times a night. He's got to be engaged every single defensive possession. And he's got to make plays out of the post, right? They're going to be double teaming him. He's going to have to kick it out. And then that means you need to get some three-pointers from a guy like Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. they got to be ready to shoot not a pump fake, and then you're suddenly taking an 18-footer with the hand in your face. If you got a sliver of daylight, let it fly, uh, because you got to get something from the outside. You know Embiid's going to give you points inside. You know he's going to give you free throws. How else can you maximize your offensive output against a really good defensive team in the Celtics? The advantage is inside, but it's got to come from everywhere. Embiid cannot do everything. Uh, If you ask him to do everything for seven games, it's probably going to go pretty poorly by the end of uh, game seven, but He's talented enough that he can put the team on his back for a few wins. So I'm, I'm curious to see how ready he is and how much of an advantage he can be inside for Philly. Is it safe to say for the Sixers maybe to get out of this series, Embiid basically has to be the giant version of Damian Lillard? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, sort of, I think there's some truth to that. Um, I'm skeptical he can do it. And of course, it's a lot different when you're the guard like uh, Damian Lillard. Like You're bringing up the ball. You can shoot from 35 feet if you want. Somebody's really got to get the ball to Embiid, get him in a position to go to work every time. You can do it. Um, Jesus, if you can't make a post-entry pass, what the hell are you doing in the NBA? But can he, does he have the stamina, too? Or does he got to do what we saw Dame even do versus the Nets last night? Like, okay. I'll just uh, sort of bide my time here for a couple of quarters, and then every single shot in the fourth will basically go through me. I'll either shoot it, I'll attack, get to the line, or I'll set somebody up. Yeah, I think Embiid has to be a monster for the 76ers to have any chance here. But like you guys are saying, Horford's got to contribute. Harris has got to hit shots. Richardson's got to hit shots. He can't actually score every point, though I'd like to see him try. (laughs) Uh, Lee, do you have a key to this series, Uh, You know, focusing either on the Celtics or the Sixers? Well, the Sixers aren't going to win this on offense. They have to try to muddy this game up and just slow it down and make it a bog for the Celtics because uh, the only way they can win is if they defend and keep it close and then hit a couple of game winners at the end maybe because uh, the Sixers' offense, we know, was just ugly to watch this year and it didn't really work. But defensively, they were much better. But, of course, the Celtics are very even at both ends of the floor. Very good offense, very good defense, very Mm -hmm. consistent. And here's the other problem for the uh, Sixers is Jason Tatum actually struggled – against Ben Simmons this year, but Ben Simmons isn't there. So who is the guy who's going to make Jason Tatum work for his points? Because when Tatum was on the floor and Simmons wasn't, Tatum was awesome. And he's been awesome all season long. So someone has to sort of see that there is a way to slow down Jason Tatum. Just watch how Ben Simmons defended him. But that's easier said than done because Tatum, uh, he elevated himself to a superstar this year. So somehow I think Brett Brown has to just slow the game down, make this a defensive grind and give themselves a chance at the end um, because I just don't see how they can sort of uh, match the uh, the Celtics in a track meet if the Celtics want to get out and just make this an offensive game. They uh, The Sixers just don't have enough weapons to run with them like that. So um, the only way is make it ugly, make it slow, frustrate the Celtics, mm-hmm. and then you know maybe at the end you've got someone like a Shake Milton, Josh Richardson, you know, Embiid, whoever it is, to uh, get a couple of baskets in the last couple of minutes to maybe tilt it in your favor. But 
I don't really like the chances of that happening because, again, the Celtics have just been so disciplined at both ends and uh, don't have any injuries either. And the Sixers are missing their best or second best player. So yeah, uh, going to be very tough for them. And Embiid yeah. is probably not 100% himself. So uh, that's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to watch Kemba Walker in this series. You said no Simmons. That is tough because Thibault has played well on Kemba Walker. But okay, Thibault maybe's on him. Now, who's guarding Tatum and who's guarding Jalen Brown and even Gordon Hayward for that matter? Like, you, they're desperately or drastically going to be missing Ben Simmons' defense. That's a no-brainer. But Kemba Walker had started to play... I thought, like, he was getting back to that all-star level, Kemba Walker, and I talked about I loved how explosive he looked just on his jump shots and threes. He's getting some height, uh, great balance. He had one stinker in the bubble, missed some games, but otherwise shot really, really well um, as they sort of, like, shed the minutes restrictions for him. So I'll just have my eye on him because I think the Celtics are moving forward, and I think he's so important to the Celtics actually beating some of maybe the better teams later on in the Eastern Conference. Um, but I've liked what I've seen. We talked about it, Trey. Like, you and I sort of were like, are the Celtics underrated right now? There's no one really talking about them all that much. Uh, it felt like in comparison to some of the other teams, of course, in the West and even some of these other good Eastern Conference teams. So we'll see. They, it'd be nice if they made a statement here. But Embiid is a monster, and they do not have an answer for him. Like, they have fouls, <laughs> and they'll use them. I think they will, and they will you know, double down into the post and Marcus Smart will be a pest, I'm sure. There'll be an instance again. Wasn't there the classic meme of like, was it Embiid pushing Marcus Smart or the other way around? I can't remember. There's a great photo mm-hmm. when they went at it at one point. There'll be some of that again. Uh, some of uh, those two guys getting at it, uh, but that'll be exciting. So let's make our predictions then. I mean, this might be the, I, I don't know. I think we're all going to still be on the same side with the team advancing, but what number do you throw on it, Tass? Who do you like? Well, you threw out the possibility of four sweeps, Skeets. I can't buy into it. I can't. I, I think we're sort of underestimating what James Ennis was saying, that it, this feels a little like March Madness. Anything can happen. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know how many games the Sixers can actually take because if there's any player you can sort of read his body language, not to be a, a body language doctor here, but I'm going to do it. Uh, Joel Embiid, just night in and night out, he's just... It's it's not a happy dude right now. And maybe he knows that this is a tough sled against Ben Simmons. Maybe he's banged up. Uh, but I, I agree he's got to be a monster. And I'm just not sure he's mentally or physically ready to do that right now. But I, uh, there's no possible way I can, I can do the sweep thing. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to say five, though. I do think it's going to be a, a, a pretty dominant win by the Celtics, especially yeah, with Ben Simmons being out, being Jason Tatum's main defender. So give me... Uh, Season five. Season five. Oh, man. The Beantown boys are going to be so pumped to hear that, I think. Uh, everybody will be rocking green hats in this one. Lee, where are you going in this? No, I'm, I'm Celtic sweep. Uh, they've just, they're just got too many weapons. Yeah. And uh, and right now, again, I think six of the Sixers' second-best player is Tobias Harris, and I just think he's he, – I just don't like Yeah, him we know how you feel about Tobias yeah. Harris. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, I think this is a really good opportunity for Al Horford to sort of, you know, end the season at least – you know, showing some sort of uh, contribution there because it's been a terrible season for him. But uh, ultimately, I, I, you know, Brown and Tatum and Hayward and Kemba, oh, man, I just don't know how the Sixers can really stop all of those guys uh, for a whole game. I mean, you're going to see one game probably of Tatum going for 35, maybe one of Brown going for 35, maybe right. one of Kemba Walker going yeah. for 35. 
Hayward, you know, maybe Hayward even. Yeah, so uh, I think the Celtics have, have just been. This, this has been a very good. This has almost been a perfect bubble for them because they had a bad loss to the Bucks, which Tatum was awful in. Yeah, and then they, they they sort of I think overlooked the Heat as well. I think the Heat were without Jimmy Butler that game and Dragic maybe, and they sort of took their eye off the ball. And other than the loss yesterday, which doesn't count because no one played, they've actually been very very good. And uh, and and again, you said earlier, sort of flying under the radar a bit. No one's really been talking about them. So they come in. Everyone looks pretty much healthy too. I mean, Kemba is the one who was on a bit of a minutes restriction, but the last couple of games he was looking great. So, uh, yeah, I think the Celtics handle their business here quite efficiently and take it in four comfortable games. Well, then if you are saying that, if you're predicting that, then you can say goodbye to Coach Brett Brown, right? I mean, if they get swept, I'm saying that man's out of there. Even if they lose in six or seven, he could be out of there. Yeah, Brown needs to pull out a miracle, I think, to keep his job. And uh, yeah, the second round, he probably would, but I can't see that happening. So yeah, he's, uh, he's in trouble. Okay, wow. Now you are, you've just been out Beantown Tass there somehow. You're the better boy. <laughs> hey, listen, um, <laughs> I, think, I think the Sixers won the first three games of the regular season against yeah, his team. Yeah, Sixers play them yeah. well. I mean, and, and again, I remember they early in the season, I thought, okay, the Sixers might have finally sort of, you know, been able to beat, beat this team that uh, had them, had their measure. But uh, without Simmons, again, that I just can't see it uh, happening now. And um, so, yeah, Celtics, very good team. Four games. Uh, all right, Celtics. Yeah. Sweet. Wow, this is huge. Uh, Trey, where are you going with this one? Well, now I feel like I'm overrating the Sixers, which wouldn't be a surprise. This is a team that you can't stop thinking, man, if they just put it together, they can still do it. Even with Ben Simmons out, uh, you see the kind of games that Embiid could have. I can't stop thinking about the Christmas Day game where he's just dominating against yep. the Bucks, right? And you're like, okay, that could happen. He could easily run wild against uh, all of the Celtics bigs, and he could do it. In four games, maybe he can't do it for seven games, but if they're four classics, that's incredible. I'm still going Celtics in six. They're incredibly underrated right now. They have so many options offensively. They've got a really great defense. It just happens to be that the one defensive problem is exactly where Philadelphia is at the strongest right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing Embiid perform, uh, but I don't think it'll be enough against Boston. Yeah, I'm going Celtics in six too. It is really which Embiid shows up in this series because you're spot on, Tass. I mean, you can... That guy wears his emotions right there on his sleeve. Uh, you know if he's sulky. You know if he's, like, fired up. Uh, like, I believe that he can, if he wants to, just be Shaq, man, for this series. Just be the monster. Don't settle outside. Yeah, you okay, you can get a couple up. You got to keep them honest, whatever, and you, you're tired, so you just want to shoot the three. But for the most part, go to work. Make them double, triple team you and try and find your guys. Or get to the line and, and and make this like like Lee said, muck this up, make it ugly. That's your best chance to win it. I believe he can do it for a couple games. I just wonder with the the schedule of this thing. You know, it's every second day, right? I mean, from from what I can tell, it's yeah. uh, one day on, one day off, one day on, and they're like, man, is he in shape enough to uh, drag them to four wins? No, but I think he can do a couple. So I'll go Celtics in six. So it's a great like. You know, we say, hey, the team with the best player tends to win the series. Well, here we go. I mean, Embiid's the best player. I mean, Tatum's awesome. But Embiid is, when he's locked in, I mean, incredible. One of the better players in the league. But the Celtics have by far the better roster after him. And, and I put a lot more trust in those guys. So season six for Trey and I, season five from Tass, and then season in four, the real Beantown boy here. Whoa. From yeah. the Hills. Wow. Yeah, with, wow. With no big bean Ben, it's just going to be... <laughs> It's going to be a problem. They played, the last time they played was two years ago, right? And the the Sixers took care of business, or the Celtics took care of business in five. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, even though the, the, the growth, rest... the growth since then of Brown and Tatum, I mean, they're just yeah. different players all, all together. Yeah. And, oh, uh, Celtics yeah. had Al Horford to guard Joel Embiid, though. Remember mm-hmm. how big of a thing that was? They're like, what? Horford just leaving? No, Boston can't do anything. And now that he's there, it's like, what? Horford's on Philly. He can't do anything. <laughs> do can't something, play bud. with Embiid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why it will be fun. You imagine if, uh, if any coach in the league is going to try and throw, you know, interesting defensive wrinkles at Embiid and, like, say, like, well, you're not beating us. Uh, it would be, like, a Brad Stevens. Like, I mean, I'm excited to see what type of defense they do throw at him and how he deals with it. Um, and that's where, again, I could see frustration, like, if Embiid is going to the post, getting double, triple teamed or whatever, keeps throwing it out to Tobias Harris in the corner who keeps just clanking threes or whoever can't hit a shot, you know Embiid's going to just be pissed. Pissed. <laughs> and then he'll start jacking. I mean, it, it could. This could. this series could get ugly quickly for Sixers fans, I think. Uh, that's, that's in play, no doubt. That's why maybe the sweep isn't far-fetched. But I still believe in Joel Embiid uh, enough to... Uh, just be a nightmare. And uh, sorry, Tice, you can't guard him. I mean, these guys can't guard. They can't guard him. I, I agree, Tice. Tice is going to have a tough series. That's why I'm looking forward to Marcus Smart having a few possessions on Embiid. I sure. think that would just be perfect for Marcus Smart, you know. And you're right, He'll be, flop- He'll be flopping around, diving around. But yeah. yeah. But, uh, like, yeah. if you could, if there's a line out there, like, will Embiid get ejected from one of these games? I would hit yes on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because you can see yeah it could get bad the guy who will be at his side though if he does get ejected is Mike Scott Mike Scott's the fighter (laughs) I I think I think just I squeezed him in there because I think we might get a Mike Scott game because if he if he gets some minutes Joel Embiid definitely needs shooters around him and we've talked about Furkan Korkmaz entering the lineup potentially as Mike Scott uh, played some minutes recently I there, there's some. They need a shooter when it's it's nuts that they're paying so so much to Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson, and they still haven't found one uh, to go alongside those dudes. Yeah, I could see a Mike Scott game in the same vein. You talked about Joe Harris doing it against the Raptors, which I don't agree with. This is a new Raptors team; they just don't do that anymore. Uh, but yeah, I could see Mikey Scott lighting it up for a, a twenty spot. Sure. All right. Final series here in the Eastern Conference. It's the 4-5 matchup. It's the Heat versus the Pacers. This one tips on Tuesday, August 18th, 4 p.m. Eastern on TNT. Uh, the Heat, outside of the bubble at least, or maybe that's accounting one of the game, are 3-0, and um, I-, I believe, against the Pacers. Though they play today, right? <laughs> they actually have yeah. a game. Against that la- the yeah, the, last, the 3-0 was that last one where they yeah. dominated them pretty right. badly. And TJ Warren didn't play well. Right, right, right. So they play together. That's weird. I mean, I can't imagine their star players will be playing. Key injuries, uh, no DeBontis Sabonis right now for the Pacers. There's some weird rumors going around that he could be back. Uh, who knows? Something to keep an eye on. But Heat Pacers task, get us started. What are you watching? He better hurry up because Skeet said it's going to be four sweeps in this uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, no, I, I'm putting sweeps into your mouth there, Skeets. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think it's going to be a quick series because I just don't know how the Pacers score enough. And it's crazy to think T.J. Warren had the bubble of his life, like everybody, I guess, had the bubble of their life. But he had, uh, you know, the eight games so far, uh, this chunk of games, the best he's ever played in the NBA. But they're still 17th best of the 22 offenses in the bubble. And Mm. that's going to slow down. T.J. Warren's not going to play that great. As we saw against the Heat, uh, it was Monday, and they, they, they stopped him. And these are T.J. Warren's first playoff games. Uh, which is kind of weird to say because he's been around a long a long time, but Phoenix is where he played. And so uh, a guy who has to step up, I think, 
with uh, the way they're not getting a lot of offense from Victor Oladipo or Miles Turner or TJ Warren or Aaron Holiday's young guy is Malcolm Brogdon. He's actually got some playoff games under his belt, only got to make it out of the first round as a starter on this team with the, with the Bucks last year. Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot on his shoulders with those guys that I named there and the rest of their starting lineup. I, I don't see them scoring a lot, but Malcolm Brogdon could, maybe. And he's got a lot of confidence uh, coming into the series. He said, we're going to take care of business. Yeah. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, the, the 3-0 series and that game uh, on Monday, I think, is a better indicator than Malcolm Brogdon's confidence. But I'm looking forward to the Broggy. You know, he had a couple of good games in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Raps last year, but that was more as a... I'm number three option, uh, and so uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what what they're going to do against this great Heat defense. How are they going to score? I just don't really see it happening. Well, here's the question, Tass: Was T.J. Warren actually shut down on Monday, or were they doing a little rope a dope? Right. And he's just saving it, as we talked about after that game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got me. You got me, Jimmy. I can't score on you. Or was he just saving it all? And he's going to explode on him in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Jimmy guarded <laughs> TJ Warren. What was it? 25 possessions in that first bubble game. And Warren scored two points and didn't even get a lot of shots up. So maybe that's why, why some Pacers fans thinking, nah, they just didn't want to show their cards here. But okay, so Brogdon, you think, has to be massive, massive for the Pacers. It's got to be Pacers a 20 point guy for score. sure. Like, look, yeah. at those, look at those names. Old Depot's not right. No. Uh, that's, that's, that's apparent. Uh, and I don't know about this Sabonis thing, but he better hurry back. Because it's going to be a short series, so, but he would help. Obviously, I just yeah. don't see. I just don't see where the points are coming from. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Lee? What do you got for this? Well, Miles Turner has not been very good in the bubble, uh, except against, except for against the bad teams, Orlando and Washington. He had good games, and then that other one against the Rockets, which was a meaningless game. And his worst game, I think, came against uh, Miami. He just got absolutely killed at both ends of the floor. And gee, I wonder why. Yeah, I know. He's uh, That's the thing. He's a big guy. He's got great athleticism. He's got long arms. So he needs to protect the paint and he needs to not get killed like he had been in pick and rolls. And offensively, again, he shoots the three ball well against Washington and Orlando, but everyone else he struggled against. So he needs to be more effective at both ends. And uh, that's a big problem for me because... I just uh, he he just got killed by Miami, and so unless he's going to really improve his uh, discipline on defense, I think the Heat are going to really try to expose him just time and time and time again. So uh, he has to find a way to to not be like that. He has to be athletic. He has to defend shots, but he has to also just not get sucked in and, and learn how to play that pick and roll. I mean, you, know, you can't learn it in a uh, playoff series, but the the uh, Pacers have to figure out a way for him to understand that they're going to go at him and try to explo- exploit him and uh, and he has to he has to be way better than he was in that game against in uh, Miami. So again, yeah. I wonder why he struggled against Miami. Who's he playing? Bam. Yeah. yeah I'm not the I first know. person to point this out. Bam remembers that Miles Turner took his team USA spot. Oh, right. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. And he's Miles yeah. Turner is in for a series here, I think. Yeah. Uh, we even saw it in that game like you said on the Monday. Bam remembers. I mean, the guys <laughs> use that for motivation he wants to embarrass miles turner and sort of in a way embarrass team usa for picking him over himself i think uh again i'm by far not the first person to point this out so that that will be something to watch turner's got to be massive brogdon's got to be massive you guys are saying trey what else are you watching in this series Tass nailed it. How in the world are the Pacers going to be able to keep pace with Miami's shooters? Miami shoots a ton of threes. Uh, They're going to finish the season first in three-point percentage. If you're just looking at bubble statistics, Miami makes three more 
three-pointers and six more free throws per game than Indiana. That right there is what, 15 points just that yeah. easily? Um, so that's that's really tough when you're missing DeMontis Sabonis, a guy who may be coming back. We're not totally sure, but not going to really bump up your three-point rate. Same with Victor Oladipo. Maybe he gets hot, but... You know, the Pacers have been scrappy this entire time. Uh, I'm. It could be a fast series, but I think it'll at least be a close series. It's interesting to see what happens uh, between Warren and Butler. Butler was coming back from an injury, too, uh, in that very first game that they played against each other. So maybe T.J. Warren wasn't showing his cards, but maybe Jimmy Butler be a little bit more healthy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Miami's able to keep it up from outside, if they're able to knock down threes, and if Butler's able to keep getting to the line, which I assume he will, it's just a disadvantage for the Pacers to not have those three points that Indi- or that Miami's going to be starting the game off with, basically. I, w- I would add to that, Trey, too. The Pacers are not a great rebounding team either. So the Heat, especially if Bam is inspired to uh, really you know, outwork Miles Turner, they're going to end up likely with a bunch of more second-chance points, too. So then you just get into, like, the math is not going to add up for a lot of Pacers wins, unfortunately. Like, Heat are going to take more threes, hit more threes, like you said, get to the line more often have more opportunities to shoot the ball because they're a great offensive rebounding team where the Pacers actually just struggle sort of rebounding. That math does not bode well for Indy's chances, in my opinion. And I've been talking this up over the last couple days. I don't like this matchup for the Pacers at all. I think the Heat have their number. Maybe Indiana like gets stops and can run a little bit and score some easier baskets because I think it'll be a slog in the half-court set. So... Yeah, the only thing I would add, you guys said it, TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler. Will we actually get the uh, you know the fireworks we were anticipating uh, in that first game on Monday that was a bit of a dud? Yeah, maybe. You know, TJ has been money at times. Uh, hopefully it hasn't run dry and he's got a couple more performances in him and, and see what Jimmy can do to try and shut him down. But let's make predictions, Tass. Wrap this one up. What do you got? Well, ever since you said uh, Bam remembers, I've been thinking about Game of Thrones, the North remembers. Mm. Uh, maybe it's the South remembers for the Miami Heat. I'm just trying to work on a, a, a meme, or as our friend used to call it, a meme, uh, for uh, for Bam remembers. I mean, maybe just a thought bubble of Miles Turner in a USA jersey. I mean, pretty easy. But sure. anyways, uh, I think it's a smoke show. I, uh, I'm, I respect the Pacers and Nate McMillan way too much. They're going to work way too hard to, to be swept, um, but... Uh, it sure looks like the Heat just have the Pacers number. It just doesn't seem like a very good matchup. And as Trey said about the Heat shooters, you don't immediately think about them as a, a three-point shooting team if you just think about their stars. Jimmy's not a shooter. Right. Uh, Bam Bam's not a shooter. But what do they do right off the bat? Duncan Robinson is working around screens. Uh, Tyler Hero's going to come come in and, and fire. Uh, the rest of the roster is just outside of those guys. That's what they are. Uh, and they've done a good job of setting up three-point shooters around them. And uh, the Pacers aren't whole either. So it's it's not very much a, a fair fight here. Uh, so I got five. Heat and five. Okay. Trey? I've got a, maybe a little unfounded confidence in the Pacers. I always overrate the 76ers and underrate uh, the Pacers. <laughs> so perhaps something uh, lines up perfectly there. You know, the Heat, despite the fact that they do seem like the better team, they've been up and down in the bubble so far. I think they've been up and down all season long. It just averages out that they look like a pretty good team, which is probably how it will average out in this seven-game series. Give me the Heat in six. I can see them going cold, you know. It's not surprising to me when a guy like Duncan Robinson gets taken out of a playoff series when a when a coach is able to say, all you have to do is make sure this guy doesn't shoot a three. Just yeah. run after him for seven games. We've seen it happen 
to Kyle Korver. If it can happen to Kyle Korver, it can happen to Duncan Robinson. And if, uh, if the Pacers are able to kind of flatten that advantage, that three-point advantage that Miami should have built in, they can keep games close. Maybe we get some Oladipo magic. Maybe we get a hot TJ Warren game. I think the Pacers can win a couple of games, but ultimately Miami in six for me. Okay. Okay. Lee, what do you got? I think Nate McMillan will have his team well prepared, but I just think they're, uh, this is not a good matchup for the Pacers. I think the Heat sweep them. I, I really do. Um, Look at this yeah, guy, they, man. I just, yeah, you must again. have a clean porch right now with all the sweeping you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> just again, I go back to that game they played, the you know the one that was all built up, and TJ Warren was not good, and look, maybe he's saving it for the playoffs, you know. But uh, I just think, uh, I think the Heat, especially if they have Dragic and everyone healthy, They've got a lot on that bench, you know, playmakers, shooters. They've got defense, and they've got Jimmy Butler there as well. And, of course, bam. So, yeah, I think the Heat uh, take care of business in this one pretty pretty comfortably. But, you know, again, I think Nate's teams will be well prepared, but they're going to be punching well above their weight in this one. So, uh, Heat and four. Okay, I'm going to split the difference and go with Tass, uh, splitting the difference between Lee's pick and Trey's pick. I like Heat and five, too. I think the Pacers get a game. They are scrappy. They're not going to roll over and die. This one, if anything, I could see the weird, um, you know, heater up 2-0, maybe even 3-0 in the Pacers, like, because they got some pride. Say, we're not going home yet, okay? We're, we're not going uh, right to the airport yet. We got we got a W in us. So I, I'll go Heat and 5 just because, again, I think it's a bad matchup. I think Bam is going to put Miles Turner in the torture rack. I truly, truly believe that. But those are our predictions. Let's hear from you guys. Jump on Twitter at NoDunksInc. Send in your questions to NoDunksAtTheAthletic.com. Check out our brand new shirt we dropped at nodunks.com. Go grab one. Subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Smash those likes, guys. And if you listen to the pod on iTunes, leave your boys a sweet five-star rating and review. Mega Bowl, Saturday. Blazers Grizzlies, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. We're not going to record a podcast on Saturday, though we might have a little bonus pop and packs for you. If Lee can ever get a hold of Derek Harper, we will see. <laughs> well, I got a hold of him. I got a hold of him. Just, right, uh, right. We had to reschedule, so... <laughs> right, right, right. You got to actually record the pop and yeah, packs, is what yeah. I mean. You can keep sharing texts with Derek Harper, but that's yeah. not going to work well as a podcast, I don't think. Hey, though, maybe we could turn that into a podcast. I'll play the role of Derek Harper, you yeah. be Lee, and we'll just recite the text back and forth to each other. Um, Tass, I know we were going to just put it up on social media. Do we have a line for the, the Blazers Grizzlies game? Do we want to do it right here and, and make our picks? Because we're tied all eight and seven. <laughs> You want to do this live, baby. Let's do it. Why not? You know, why, why not? not? Why not? Saturday, game one of a potential two Mega Bowl. Grizzlies, Blazers, mm-hmm. the line. We were talking about it yesterday. We kind of threw out some numbers, some guesses in between two and four and a half. It's six. The Blazers wow. favored Blazers favored by six. We got to make it six and a half because we, we don't like pushes here. Yep. Uh, on uh, no dunk, so six and a half. Ooh, Ooh. so the bla- oh, Blazers favored by six and a half. That's points. why these line makers are good. These they're line good. makers are so they're, good. Who do you good. take? Who do is you this take? a deep web line or is this a standard web line? It's pretty standard. All it's right, standard. Nice. The web, the standard web called, and they gave us the six and a half <laughs> line. Two hundred thirty-three and a half for the over under. Let's not get started on that. I, I oh think the God. over. I got to go oh, over yeah. on that. Oh yeah, big over. 
All right. Well, who wants to get us started here? I mean, we're all tied again. Yeah. All eight and seven in our uh, bubble seeding pick'em here. Lee, go ahead. You yeah, get us started. Grizz- the Grizzlies got a good win against the Bucks, but the Bucks kind of mailed that in. Um, yes. But seven points just seems too big for me. So I think the Grizzlies cover. Oh <laughs> goodness. Okay. Uh, Trey, Trey, go nuts. I've been underwhelmed by the Grizzlies. They did get a, a much-needed win when they had to have it. It's the same scenario on Saturday, but I don't know. I don't like betting against Dame right now. Give me the Blazers. Okay, okay. Tess, where are you leaning, man? I'm not sure the Grizzlies' uh, offense is for real, and I know playing the Blazers, you can find your offense for sure. <laughs> Um, but I, I just, I'm just not buying it. I, I think the lights will get brighter in uh, in Walt Disney there, just because it's the sort of the playoffs. They're going to turn those those lumens up just a little <laughs> bit, uh, and it's going to be tough for the Grizzlies. I think they they sort of already got their win there on Thursday. I like the Blazers. Oof, that's a lot, of, a lot of points, wow, but I'm taking wow. it. Okay, yeah. See, 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 see. I'm going with Lee on this. I think the Blazers win the game. I'll put that on the record. But I think the Grizzlies keep it close. All these games we've been watching. Well, a couple things. Blazers can't stop anybody, so it should just be a close game. The Grizzlies. I don't care how bad they are at times on offense in hitting shots. You're gonna get looks, knock them down. You at least have a close game. The other thing is, guys, I'm actually shocked that you're going with the big line here. We just keep talking about how. All these games feel scripted. This play-in race felt scripted. The one team went 8-0. We had a four-team race in the final day. Well, then then I'm going to continue with that conspiracy theory. This game, ABC, huge game here, of course. It's going to be close, man. It's going to be close. Hell, we might have a game winner in this one from a Damian Lillard or like a CJ McCollum or something. So I think the Grizzlies cover. I'm with Lee. I like this. We're split. Tass and Trey take the Blazers to win by seven points or more. And uh, Lee and I think the Grizzlies keep it close enough. Woo! We will see. All right, so we won't have a podcast really on the Saturday because we'll wait to see what happens if they play another one on Sunday. But we will be recording and dropping our Western Conference playoff preview on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So if you enjoyed this one, make sure you subscribe to No Dunks wherever you listen to us, and you'll have that one on Sunday. It might be in the morning. If there's only one playing game, it might be a little bit later at night if there's two playing games. All right. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, folks. And just a personal note, I'm going to gain some weight during the Nets Raptors series because uh, Brooklyn's French national, Timothée Luau Cabarro, has Liberté written on his jersey, which means freedom. But it also means yogurt. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.